Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Heather Rubialis. She is founder at Heather's Hemp Alternatives. We're going to talk to her about uh, really sort of sustainability or one of the key issues of sustainability inside cannabis, uh, looking at, uh, you know, both all the kind of waste we produce from various kind of processes, what we can do with that waste, waste, uh, and how we can sort of reuse it, particularly around the area of um, packaging and uh, plastics and kind of, I think one of the kind of ugly underbelly sides of cannabis is looking at all the plastics we use and the packaging and uh, leaving dispensaries and everything we need to do to uh, meet the regulatory requirements uh, does produce uh, a lot of things for the consumer way. So uh, I think everyone's kind of looking at different options and, uh, you know, Heather's working on that and uh, some exciting ideas and uh, exciting developments. So with that, Heather, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So before we kind of dive into what you're doing today and some of the new products and solutions you've been working on, 
Let's get a little backstory. How did you get into cannabis? What was the um, what was the motivation? Give us the journey you've been on. Yeah, so back in, you really all stemmed uh, in 2009 when I was going to school, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. I had uh, met a boyfriend back then who was deeply immersed in the industry. He was an indoor grower. So I hopped on board, really learning the ropes of indoor growing. We had a little collective back then where, you know, you would just go to the Secretary of State, get papers and get a, but you would call a collective. It was kind of like your own at home grow that you could then sell to the dispensary, such as Harborside and so on. So it was a different time back then, but that's how I got into the industry in the very beginning. But it wouldn't be until years later that I really got immersed into, um, or more fascinated by the industrial hemp side of the industry, where really wasn't been talked about a lot. I had read the book, the Jack Herrera's book, uh, The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Yeah. And that book just blew my mind. And I ended up writing um, a long, an extensive research paper in college, you know, describing the benefits of hemp all the way from our shelter to food to clothes and the environmental benefits of it. And I forget what class, I think it was English class, but I also ended up doing a ceramics work where our teacher was had announced a project. You had to make a, a relic and a reliquary. And a relic was something that you cherished. In yeah. that time, I chose hemp rope. That's how much <laughs> I cherished it. I was like, oh, this is like what I cherish. So I made a little clay ship and I put the hemp rope inside of the, the steering, I forget what you call it, like a staff. And I put that inside there. My teacher just loved it. I got an A-plus on this project. But I told the story of industrial hemp on the outside of the ship. I had a little oil barrel with like the, the cannabis leaf on there. I had a clothes on the outside of the ship and just wanted to tell a story. But it wouldn't be until I, I graduated. I traveled abroad and, you know, kind of went off the path of that road. But I moved up to Humboldt County. This is where I live now. And I worked on various farms. I was a, basically a, a farm laborer. So I would hop from farm to farm, helping with planting, harvesting, and so on, and in packaging. What I noticed was so much waste, so much waste. I had already been an environmentalist. I went to school for natural resources management. So I was already very much immersed in environmental environmentalist and and I knew plastic pollution and the facts about it and how horrible it was for our environment and I just looked at this industry that I love so much creating so much waste and it was disheartening to say the least very disheartening and there were times where you know even the farm managers were like Heather you got to bring back the fire because you know every we were throwing trellis like this netting you know I'm not sure if you've seen trellis but I'm sure you yep. have so yep. we would throw that in with the compost and that would go to the landfill I'm just like how yeah. are we doing this right yeah and at this trellis I mean like it just goes everywhere so I just started again you know witnessing all of this plastic waste and not seeing a lot yeah. of solutions around yeah. So this was back in 2018, and I'm like, I'm going to do some deep dive research and to see who's out there doing this, like in terms of even start with packaging, right? Because this is when regulation happened, when really the over-pollution aspect here has a lot to stem back to regulation. But when cannabis became legalized here in California, all the packaging regulation happened. And so again, to stem back to 2018, I called up a company who was creating packaging out of hemp, and I talked to the founders. And, you know, they had explained to me how they got into it, what their roadblocks were, 
And I went from there. So it would have been now it's January of 2022. Now our, our samples have finally you know, arrived. <laughs> so there have been so many roadblocks here and there. The manufacturing world is not an easy one to navigate in, especially when you're creating your own products from scratch. But I've learned so much. And I've learned a lot about the hemp bioresin side, which was so important yep. too. So it all actually, you know, timing, I always think, you know, everything happens for a reason. I think the timing actually was was perfect when I look at it because I would have been using a hemp resin that I wasn't okay with now that I know about the different types of hemp bio resin that are on the market. Yeah. So the more research I did, now the better my products are going to be. So Yeah. I guess, how did you choose this area? I mean, you mentioned in the beginning, there are so many different areas of waste in, you know, the production of cannabis, processing of cannabis. Like, how did you kind of analyze it? Or how did you decide where you really wanted to kind of focus, you know, around, you know, whether it was impact or volume or the ability to solve it? Like, what were the factors for you? I really looked at packaging, number one, because I, you know, I saw packaging myself, you know, being behind the doors and seeing all this packaging waste. And that's where I really wanted to start. That's where I saw the most waste occur. And right now, that's where our manufacturing capabilities lie. So within our hemp oil resin, we can only produce with injection molding. So we can only create hard, rigid plastics, basically instead of flex film, where that would be the bags. Um, I would love to go to turkey bags because every pound is still packaged in turkey bags, believe it or not. I mean, we've been doing this since 2009 or way before that. But, (laughs) you know, I'm like, these turkey bags, they've got to go. But we have to, in the hemp bioresin space, create a a bioresin that is capable of doing flex film. So that's kind of why I started in packaging, because I knew that I could do what I could do with what with the innovations that we have on the table as of today. But there's so much more. I mean, this is just the beginning. I really wanted to change the whole face from cultivation to packaging. This wasn't I didn't want to be just a packaging company because that's why I don't have it in my in my name, or else I would be called Heather Sent Packaging. But I really wanted to step over to the cultivation side because I know they need help as well. You look at metric tags. Again, that goes back to regulation, but the metric tags are horrendous. So, I mean, and then the trellis is my number one killer. I still, I have a bag of trellis in my house just to like show people (laughs) and like take pictures of. Remind you. Yeah. Yeah, I brought it home from the farm long, like literally years ago. I still have it because that's something that I really want to push forward because I think it's important these brands especially up here in Humboldt County. Like I mentioned, I've been to many, many farms out here and a lot of them wanted are regenerative and they're sustainable. I mean, some of them are just amazing. Like I've been to farms where they don't even water. They use, they're on a floodplain. So they um, use the, the water table. I've been to farms where they have so much companion planting. It's just gorgeous. And they have their veggies growing right there alongside. But it's hard for them to tell these stories through their packaging and yeah. a lot of their customers, you know, your customers aren't going to most likely aren't going to be on your farm. Right. So mm-hmm. the way you can tell your story is through your packaging. But for me as an eco-conscious consumer, if I go into a dispensary, which I do sometimes, I'm going to buy a packaging that's eco-friendly, no matter what's in the pack. Like even if the nether packaging is, is, has a higher quality to some people's standards, if it's in a petroleum-based package, I'm going to choose the eco-friendly packaging because that tells a story 
of that company. Yeah. And what are some of the challenges? I mean, you, you mentioned some of the kind of technical terms here around what goes into packaging and, and how to work with hemp resins and things like that. Give us some more insights on what it really takes or what the variables are, or the complexities around creating creating these packages. Yeah. So again, it goes back to what we have available in the in terms of the hemp bio resin. We need some more research and development and it goes back into the polymers. So polymers, I always like to explain this kind of so people can, can understand better um, how hemp bio resin is made. But if you think of a rice crispy treat, right, we have the rice krispies. So those are your hemp herds. And now you have the marshmallow cream. That's going to be <laughs> your polymer, right? Got it. So what we do is some of these polymers are not eco-friendly that these summit companies are using. There's a lot of greenwashing out there with hemp out resin. And I have a whole article on it but that I had written, I think, last year. But basically, some of these polymers are still used with ABS or fossil fuels. So I think that in my bias, I think it's half-assing it. <laughs> <laughs> So I really wanted to create a bioresin that was backyard compostable, marine biodegradable. You look at it a lot. Some companies are using a PLA, and that's polylactic acid, right? Okay. So that's only commercial compostable. Meaning what? It has to go through a, a special facility? or Correct. What does that mean? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, and I know that here we do not have commercial composting facilities in California, at least readily nearby. So that infrastructure is, until that infrastructure is set, I think it's kind of a, it's just going to be landfill. So we wanted to use a polymer that was going to be backyard compostable, going to be beyond PLA. So what we're facing right now, because we want to use this top eco-friendly hemp oil resin, of course, is price. So what we have to do as a company is create tools that can accommodate the price of this hemp oil resin. So basically you spend a lot of capital on tooling to create a high cavity to then get your unit price down. That is the main thing to make it in this hemp out resin packaging market only way because or else your your unit prices are going to be too expensive. So right now, unless we can get and it's not the hemp that's expensive in this. So right now, we need some research and development that I know some people working on and it may take a year or two, <laughs> um, hopefully yeah. just a year, but um, to create a polymer that's actually derived from the hemp plant itself. So that will really drastically decrease our price per pound. So now you have, and just make it way better. Now you have 100% hemp bio resin. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. What do the economics look like? I mean, in terms of what current kind of packaging costs, what it takes to produce this kind of packaging, what's the delta, what's, what, do you, what do you feel like the kind of consumer tolerance of uh, the premium for a biodegradable package is? Where do you land on some of those? I would say no matter how eco-friendly some people want to be, they still need to make their company survive. And I understand that. So I think that they would go threefold but no more than that. I think, so what I'm trying to do is look what's out in the market right now, right? See what eco-friendly packaging is, is out there today and be comparable to that. Um, I think that's our best bet. And like I said, I'm not here to make, I'm more of someone who is like an environmental activist. Yes, I have to make a profit in order for my <laughs> company to yeah. succeed, right? But a profit to just keep going and just keep yeah. making awesome 
eco-friendly products for the industry, not to become a multi-multi-millionaire. And if that happens, that's great. I'm going to buy a piece of land. I already have, a, I already have my, <laughs> my idea, but I'm, yeah. So cost is something that's really important to me. So that's like our biggest barrier, I think, in not just my, uh, my industry in the hemp bioplastic space, but in, in the hemp crete space, yeah, in the hemp building space. I mean, we're all fighting this. So yeah. until we get some more infrastructure down um, and going and some more research and development work in there, um, yeah. we're, we're going to have some challenges. Yeah, I'm sure. I guess what are some of the areas inside cannabis that need this more of a kind of sustainable approach or, you know, as you look at kind of practices within cannabis, are there other areas that, that you feel are problematic? I would just, I would definitely say cultivation is big and cultivation and packaging is huge. I mean, you have, you look at soil bags. I mean, you're looking at amendments. You're looking at, especially the turkey bags, the trellising. I mean, you name it, the clone trays, the pots. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I think the whole industry could get changed over if we have the, basically, if we have the adequate infrastructure, the funding to do so. I mean, we could create the whole industry out of our own bi-waste. Yeah. And are there other examples of, I think, I guess, people making efforts to find new solutions to some of these areas? I just, I'm curious what you've seen out there. Um, there are. You know, there are some pioneers out there that are mainly focused on packaging, though. There are yeah. fair, I have not seen, there are, actually, I've seen one company working on trellising. But again, a lot of this is still manufactured in China. So. Yeah. That's like the main thing is that if we're going to be an eco-friendly company, then we have to manufacture here in the United States and keep everything local, even from our supply chain. So that's the thing with the cannabis packaging too. 95% of it's coming from China. What has to change there? I mean, is it just that that's a, it's an economic force? Is it a consumer awareness? Like what will, what do you think is really going to move the needle in this? Oh, economics. Yeah. Both, I would say. I think more people are becoming aware of plastic pollution and the detrimentals it's having on our environment. Definitely. It's becoming more of a norm that people are not knowledgeable about that subject. But I also think that until the cannabis industry can get some leeway here in terms of taxes and get some breathing room, it's going to be really hard for these companies to change over, no matter how much that they want to. And so I, I've been deeply immersed in this industry for a long time, so I understand that. And I see it with my own two eyes living here in Humboldt County. Yeah. So that's where, you know, until infrastructure, economics, and awareness, all three of those will have to get pushed. And I think sustainability yeah. is getting pushed hard in this industry right now. I think some of the top industry leaders, sustainability is of their concern. But in order for more innovation to come out, we need funding. This is with everybody. I think there would be more innovation if VCs especially would would acknowledge the industrial hemp side, even acknowledge the cannabis industry. It is becoming more of a norm, but I think that it really needs to be pushed. I still think that people are scared, um, especially the top guys with the money. So I think it's going to be more of a community effort here, mm -hmm. but we'll see. I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of exciting, exciting things that come along the way here in the next, especially next year. Yeah. Oh, I'm curious how much weight you give or, or where do you think the more impact is going to be, I mean, it seems like we could, we can do it on the regulatory side. We could start, you know, having regulations, uh, you know, surcharges, you know, kind of uh, come in through kind of government and structure to say, hey, things have to be, you know, a certain percentage 
recyclable or you know post-consumer recyclable. Like we could we could have regulation side, or we could kind of do it from the consumer demand side, saying, well, you know, if consumers can kind of create change through purchasing or not purchasing certain products. Wh- where do you think the real pressure or real change is going to come from? Regulation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that if, if if we can get in front of the, you know, the big guys, the brew cannabis control, I can't, I don't have the other names on top of my head right now, but we need to get in front of those guys. Even the California Fish and Wildlife Department here, they actually mm-hmm. have put a, I, I would have to look it up, but like a kind of like a band on yeah. trellising because they have seen how detrimental it is in our in the watersheds here. Yeah, it gets into the to the it's just environment. Horrible. The, it's just a, basically watershed. a fishing net. Um, yeah. So I think if we can get those guys on board, get them in front and say, hey, like here here's a research that we've done that we have seen this much waste in our watersheds. Yeah, I think that is regulation is going to be huge in this. But I think that, you know, these guys need to give again a breathing room to these to these companies because they're barely making it. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's a lot of financial pressure on on uh, particularly on the cultivation world and, and especially in California right now. Yeah, the taxes are I mean, yeah. it's just outstanding. So I think that's going to be a huge change. Um, if they can have breathing room, they'll have more breathing room for the environment as well. Tell me a little bit more about the packages you're developing. Why have you chosen kind of the form sort of types of packages or the form of packages? Where, where do you see the demand? How have you kind of analyzed the market to say this is where you're going to really focus or start? Yeah. So we have, we've went through many different prototypes to make sure, sure that it was going to be manufacturable because hemp bio resin doesn't work like your normal polypropylene. It's not as flexible. So we decided and in terms of for price purposes too, to create child resistant closures of various types. Definitely the standard 53400 neck. That's like for your two ounce jars, four ounce jars. And we wanted to create the closures basically to, we wanted to create the full body, but we were limited with injection molding. So we had to just create the the child resistant closures, but it did kind of work out in terms of cost wise. And um, a lot of the regenerative sustainable brands don't necessarily want to switch from glass. They really like the aesthetic of of how glass looks. So we wanted to also create a package that wasn't going to switch the look of their brand too much because a lot of these companies, they spend years on packaging and making what their brand, making um, the look of their brand. So if they were going to switch over, it wasn't going to um, affect the aesthetics and and basically the look, but just bring a more eco-friendly aspect to it. So we decided to create child-resistant closures right now because the only eco-friendly child-resistant closure on the market is Ocean Reclaimed. And I'm a little biased against Ocean Reclaimed, I have to be honest, because (laughs) in single-use purposes, that is. If it is in building materials, okay, I can see that, right? But if it's in single-use purposes, I think it's just going back in. So I knew that that this was not on the market. And these closures still aren't on the market. Well, now they will be here soon. Um, So um, I saw a way to get in and in a way that I could with the manufacturing capabilities that we currently have, right? Once mm-hmm. we can go to blow molding, oh, then I'll create the bottom of my jar, right? Um, and then people can have a whole jar instead of just the closures. But we have more R&D to, to do because once we get to blow molding, oh, we can make containers, um, yeah. little bottles. But as as you know, like 
if you look at a bottle, that cap is injection molded. Just for okay. people's reference, that cap's injection yeah. molding, molded. That bottle, like a water bottle, that's blow molded. Okay. So we only have injection molding capabilities right now. So caps and, and why is that just because of the I mean the material itself and its properties or exactly. what's, what's the holdup? Okay. Yeah, it's it's the material. So we re- what we really need to do is create a bioresin that's going to be able to go through flex fill and be more flexible. It's the it's the rigidness of it. So once we go there, now we're talking mylar bags. We can get into baggies. Yeah. It's really going to allow us to branch off drastically. So. Yes. <laughs> what, what other, I mean, I, I guess as you look at, you know, all the different kind of packages that are made right now, we've got pre-rolls, we've got concentrates, we've got, you know, mm. flour, we've mm-hmm. got edibles, right? They, they all, and they all have mm-hmm. different kind of mm-hmm. properties and issues and, you know, shelf lives. And like, if you kind of look at the world of cannabis products, are, are there other areas, other products or other Packages that serve these products that you think are ripe for finding a better, for a more environmental, sustainable solution for? Oh yeah, well, especially the mylar bags. That's what I, that's what I'm hoping that we can get yeah. to get to there. And that's what I'm thinking about edibles. A lot of the time, these edibles are in, in are in baggies, um, right? And then yep. um, I'm thinking about the, the the cartridges. I was already thinking about making little closures for for those because glass we can we can recycle that, right? Even though it is energy intensive to create it is one of the most recyclable products that we can use so yeah so in terms i was just thinking all these edibles and is really in the flower it's the mylar bags if we can if we can get the mylar bags created yeah. that's my that's really my top top priority here. yeah yeah. yeah. And what have been the, sort of the challenges for you? I mean, other than kind of the technical side, I mean, I, I mean, raising capital, finding yeah. people, talent, getting to, you know, market, what, what have, what have you kind of had to overcome oh, to be able to build a business? It's raising the capital. That's the yeah. hardest thing is because, you know, we still need to raise capital to get to our, our multi-cavity tooling. This has all been bootstrapped from now. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think that's the hardest part, you know, finding those, impact investors who understand the industry first off who are interested in getting involved within the industry and and who are environmentally focused right i would love to find a partner who is say another cannabis brand and create their entire packaging line right if that was an opportunity that would be fantastic but i think that that's the most difficult thing of all of us hempreneurs, I would have to say, is we're all facing is funding challenges. I see every single, and I'm in the hemp, very much involved within the industrial hemp industry, and yeah. we're all facing this challenge. And um, what, I guess why is that? I mean, is there? I mean, is this just a lack of lack of capital? I mean, are people that have capital just are hesitant to invest in cannabis businesses? Yeah, I, mean, what I are think you so. I think the rat, the latter. I think that they're hesitant. They're not so sure. And is this because it's cannabis and they're worried about legality? Are they just, the market is really dynamic and it's just too early stage for folks? I've just got, I think all of the, like what feedback you're getting from the investors that you're talking to. Too early, too early stage. And also that, yeah, they're just hesitant because it's cannabis, you know, even if it's industrial hemp, like, so I can, I'm not even able to get an SBA loan right now because even though I'm not even a, a plant touching yeah. company just because I'm creating products for the cannabis industry, right? That's crazy. 
So, I mean, if this is the challenge we're facing. Like, I can't go to a bank and get a loan to, to start my tooling. It's not possible for me. Yeah. So this is where we have to rely on private investors, people who just believe in us and believe in our dream and believe in this mission, right? Um, and who believe in does who believe in this plant most most importantly i would say yeah yeah what are you most looking forward to like sort of exciting things you know uh, that you hope are going to be changing in the market or in the industry like what's what's kind of a something a bright spot for you in terms of uh where the industry is going well i really really hope that these farmers can give it get a break that is my hope and i know that they're on the move i know that they're on um doing some protesting in sacramento So that would be my hope, too, to see that happen and to see this community up here, especially in Humboldt County. Yeah, get a breather. And (laughs) so and um, to see the the excitement for such packaging, I'm about to post my first post of um, of the packaging here. I got to do I'm a photographer, so I'm going to go down to the beach and actually take some some shots of the of the packaging and and post them Mm -hmm. up on my Instagram. But I'm nice. really excited to see the reaction. You know, this has been a three-year journey, and yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm excited to see if people really like it, and yeah, I'm just excited to see more innovation out there too. No, I get it, Heather. This has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about your products, where do you get that information? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Heather Hemp Alternatives. That's where I'll be like mostly updating my my um, milestones. LinkedIn, uh, Heather Rubialis. And you can also reach me at heathersempall at gmail.com too. Awesome. I'll make sure all that is in the show notes so people can get that information. Heather, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Bruce. I really appreciate this opportunity. I really do. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.